This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Youth Baseball Talk. Only on lineupmedia.fm. Now your host, Jim Cromer. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of Youth Baseball Talk, brought to you by my friends at the Rope Trainer. As John Smoltz says, everyone should have one from big leaguers to little leaguers. Check out the Rope Trainer today. Special thanks, of course, as always, to my good friends Earl Perrin, Chris Vernon, and of course, John Smoltz. Um, if you're following the Rope Trainer at all, you're, you're noticing some of the great things going on down at Lake Point with the Rope Trainer. They're having a lot of fun down there. John uh, was there on the 11th and did a little uh, presentation with the Rope Trainer it was quite a quite a day for some of those kids to interact with John and and just an amazing amazing guy again as i say all the time he took uh he took a minute out of the probably the most important day in his life to uh to address this arm problem we have folks and let let's just you know there's a there's a lot of different ways to skin this cat out there but uh, at least uh, at least we have people like Earl and Chris Verna you know who's the trainer to the stars that are taking a lot of time, energy, and effort to make sure they're coming up with something to help. Um, make sure you just give it an opportunity, theropetrainer.com. Excited about the show today. I'm, uh, it's a little bit of a follow-up show. You guys know I like to do follow-up shows from time to time, um, depending on the subject, uh, depending on the, uh, on the crew, so to speak, if, it's a, if it is a crew, which today it is. Um, I like to do them because, you know, we talk about the journey in this game, and sometimes – you know, people are so consumed with where you start, but it's really how you finish um, and what you do in between. We talk about the life lessons of baseball and what you're really uh, trying to get out of it. I always say there's nothing wrong with winning. There's nothing wrong with being competitive, um, but you got to get more out of it. And uh, otherwise, you know, a lot of people are going to fail even more than this game of failure already gives you. So let's not uh, let's not add to it. Let's get something out of it. So. Um, Again, excited about it today. I'll introduce you to my guests here in a minute. Um, you know, the, the reason for it is this. I look at what time of year it is, and everybody knows right about this time of year, I start talking about tryouts. I start talking about expectations. Um, I start talking about, you know, your year. Um, it's funny. One of my guests said something to me in the other room today that, that really made me think about this. You know, I say this to you guys every year. It is, you know, it is June 26th. Um, for a lot of people, baseball season's winding down, um, depending on where you're at in this country and kind of how your season works. And, um, you know, it's hard for me to say this because everybody's situation is different, but when you start already thinking about next year and the changes you want to make before this season is even over, that's really tough. Um, it's tough all the way around. It's tough on the kid. It's tough on the parents. It's tough on the coaches. It's tough on organizations that have put in a lot of energy and effort and I don't know that it's going to change. And I've got my theories on it, and I know we're going to talk about it today and touch on it, so I'm going to save my opinions on it. But the truth of the matter is, guys, um, I'm excited about today's show only because, and again, I'm not here to judge. I'm, that's not my, I'm not judge or jury. I'm here to help. As I always say, you can't fix something if you don't talk about it, even if the conversation's not pleasant. Um, but the reality of it is that's where we're at today. It's June 26th, and the, the numbers would tell me that at least 30 to 40% of you out there are already wanting to make a change. And again, I'm not here to judge if your change is justified. The bottom line is you think it is or you wouldn't do it. And that means whether it's something that you're doing for the right reasons and 
Unfortunately, some people do it for the wrong reasons. But at the end of the day, you're going to do what you want to do. That's that's who we are. That's in our human nature. We are going to rationalize it out so that we believe in our heart that it is the best thing for us to do. And guess what? We're not perfect. We make wrong decisions and then we try to adjust. But, uh, you know, the funny thing is, is that as you say this and it sounds like, oh, man, why some people are going to make great decisions and some people are going to do exactly what they need to do. That's how it is, man. And, and I say all the time, we don't have answers. I don't have a perfect answer for you really for anything, you know, as you know, Darren Hendrickson always says when we talk about the arm problem, anybody that looks at you and says, I got this figured out, turn around and run because they don't because we can't. We don't. Major League Baseball spends millions and millions and millions of dollars every year trying to figure out what's going on with the arm. And yet we have a big problem. So it, just turn around and run. OK, turn around and run. Look for the guy that says, you know what, we're going to manage and we're going to we're going to be we're going to take caution. But yet we're going to work hard. and We're going to do stuff. Be with those people that want to work and people that want to work with the kid and people that want to make sure we're doing the right thing. That's it. That's all you can ask. Things are going to happen. So I'm excited about it today. Um, you know, Chris, how long did we do that show? I think we did it. Was uh, it two years? Yeah. Two years ago. 2015, I thought. Yeah. Organization that I was minorly familiar with, and I, I think I told Chris this at the time, I, had, uh, I, have, a, I have a friend that um, I thought a lot of when I first got into this with my first son. And um, as time went on and, and I got heav- more heavily involved in it, I remember a conversation with him, and I thought he did a really good job of how he approached it and what he did. And he kind of had a, um, a vision, and he kind of – the vision worked to some degree. Um, but, you know, he was really more concerned with his own team, and, and then he tried to help other teams, and as most times happens, it becomes tough. But he had a team that he, that he told me about at the time, and he said, you know, I think these guys do a great job. They're not an organization, um, but they're just a team. But I love the way they run their team, and I like how they approach it. And the name of this team was the Missouri Gators, and I thought it was an interesting name for a team. But th- at that time, there were a lot of interesting names on teams. And I thought, well, maybe somebody went to Florida, or maybe somebody just liked the uniforms. I don't know, but it was an interesting thing. But more importantly, um, and I'd never met these people, but this was a guy that – and I love the guy, but he's a pretty confident guy. He definitely – felt like he knew what he was doing and so for him to say that he was kind of admiring from afar the way another team was doing things I thought well they must be doing a pretty good job because this guy typically thinks he's the biggest biggest dude in the room so um followed him a little bit he was right good team did it right saw him at some tournaments and was impressed with how they did things well a few years go by and the next thing you know like most good teams like most good people that get involved in the baseball you have people coming up to them hey let's do this let's do that so now they're an organization I think two years we had you on and I'm talking about the Missouri Gators baseball club now in St. Louis but had them on a couple years ago because um, they made what I would call a at the time I think I even went back and and listened to it I even told him good luck because he went from a couple of teams to like 22 teams in one year and uh, folks if you've ever ran anything in your life the uh, taking up uh, that type of uh, that type of challenge is an amazing thing. You're talking about 22 teams. You're talking about probably an average of 10, anywhere from 11 to 12 kids on a team. You're talking about that many sets of parents, that many kids, organizing tournaments, jerseys, training. We're not messing around here, folks. This is a, a big undertaking. And I can tell you that when I got off the phone with them, I, I couldn't have told you how it would work out. Well, let me tell you how it's worked out for them. Um, they've grown into one of the most uh, 
you know, they're, they're, an, they're an admirable club here in St. Louis. They're the type of club you're going to see at Diamonds all over the country. And uh, they've got some interesting things going on, um, great things really going on that are even going to affect my neck of the woods. So I wanted to welcome back into the studio today um, Chris Craddock, president of baseball operations for the Missouri Gators and uh, owning partner um, Joe Lopez. Gentlemen, how are you? Doing great. Thanks for having us. Doing great, Jim. Thank you. Um, again, uh, you guys, um, one of the premier programs in St. Louis. Um, I, you know, I mention you guys on the show from time to time. I tell people all the time that clubs are different. Um, you know, I think most clubs try to do the right thing all the time. I like to give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, there's never things are never going to be perfect. I don't care who you play for, but I think you guys do a great job. Have for a while. Um, I think you have good people. That's what I've said. I mean, a lot of times you're only as good as your people. Um, but um, but you guys have taken really a dream and a vision and turned it into something. Um, Chris, I know I talked to you last time quite a bit. It was just you. We've got Joe in here today. Um, I, I'm curious the dynamic between you two. Um, where did the relationship start with you two? And I'll let whoever wants to go first go first. I'll start. Uh, we have one other partner, Steve Marion, who's not here today, but Steve and I um, – kind of started it, built the building, the sports barn over there in Wentzville, and we were introduced to uh, Mr. Lopez here, um, and he has a unbelievable business background, and as you said, growing from 23 to 42 to now 59 teams, <laughs> we, we needed the organizational, somebody that can kind of rein me in, and uh, he, he's he's been a godsend to the to the club, and really helped us get to where we are today. You Tim, know, those are those are the nicest words he's ever said. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you know what's it's interesting. He wrote it for me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's interesting about that is, uh, unfortunately, and this is true, you guys are probably un unfortunately familiar with this, you don't hear guys say what you just said. I needed somebody to rein me in a little bit. And I think what we forget is that we're, we all do things well, but we all probably have things maybe we don't do as well as – as other people do. That's how great partnerships are formed, to be quite honest with you. I mean, certain people are really good at certain things. And if they're, and I'm not saying you're bad at anything. My point is, I think I know where you're going. I mean, you're probably running 100 miles an hour and you needed somebody to say, hey, whoa, hang on a minute here. You know what I mean? I don't think a lot of people that go through your growth take a step back and go, hey, hang on a minute here. I think they just think, oh, it's growing's great, growing's great, growing's great. But you can probably grow too fast to where you can't deliver on what you've told people you're going to do and that's how i'm taking what you said exactly and that a lot of people don't do that and th and that seems like well that sounds crazy why wouldn't you do that well a lot of people don't do that so yeah. kudos to you kudos to finding a guy like joe here so um so they you know they kind of get with you on this and then um, i've talked to you now a couple times it's pretty obvious to me what you bring to the table why don't you tell our listeners kind of your role on this yeah absolutely so you know, just kind of listening to, to Chris and Steve and, and um, you know, the challenges that we're up against um, as an organization trying to do the right thing and, and what that right thing is, right, for all the different families that want, that want this game to, to provide something for their, for their kid and, um, you know, and for the family. You can see that uh, the challenge is it's, it's complicated. Um, you know, in, in some instances, it's a, it's, a, um, um, it's a financial matter. In other instances, it's more of a logistics matter. In other instances, it's, it's a matter of setting realistic expectations and having the right communication. And 
all of those things um, are exactly what we deal with in the world of business. And uh, one of the things that we always kind of revert back to is no matter how good your process is, no matter how good your technology is or, or, or you think it is, you can't build any of that without the right people. And so a lot of our focus has been on building a phenomenal team of team players, of individuals that care for each other, that root for each other. Just, you know, Jim, just, just like what we learned on the diamond, right? And we, you know, we talk to the kids about being selfless on the base path or, you know, being selfless when you're, when you're at the plate. That's the same thing that we're talking to, to ourselves about and, you know, and trying to build this organization um, with, right, is building, building the right people. So here in Illinois, you know, uh, there's, a, there's a gentleman by the name of Jake DePew that we've added to our organization. Um, Seth Von Barron has been added to the organization. Armando Polanco, you know, just different, different individuals that have really helped sort of bolster uh, what it is that we're trying to do. I don't know. Mr. Polanco, but I obviously I'm very familiar with Jake DePew. I've known him since he was a kid. He's a tremendous, tremendous kid. He's, you know, lived the dream a little bit, you know, didn't make it all the way, but, you know, darn close. Um, I've seen him work. He's a great addition. He's a, and, and, you know, the thing is, as good a baseball guy as he is, he's a great person. Absolutely. He truly is. And I know Seth very well. I mean, uh, you know, I haven't seen him in, in a few years, but. You know, I, my kid was around when Seth was working, doing baseball here right before he went to coach at Maryville. I mean, he's a great guy, and he works hard, and he loves baseball. I mean, that's, that's got to be a part of this, right? you got to love baseball. you also got to love the process. you got to love trying to do it right. And yep. if you get good people, I think that's, that's, that's an interesting thing. Um, you know, Chris, i got to ask you um, before we take a little uh, a short break here. Did you ever did did you have visions of this when you first started, or is this something that just happened over time, or is this something you always thought would happen? I I thought uh, I think Joe calls it uh, getting it by attraction by you know doing the right things we would we would grow you know organically uh, without really putting anything out there and uh, I thought we were doing a good thing and doing it the right way and the teams on the field tend to carry themselves well and that uh has attracted more teams and more coaches and more players wanting to come to the organization and you know did i see it at the beginning growing to 59 teams in three years i didn't um but now that we're here we can actually you know see the growth and you know we're trying to touch as many kids as we can well it's interesting joe brought it up you've kind of alluded to it again and it's really where i'm going um when we come back um you know, I would say the challenge with anything like this, and I think where a lot of people fail, is people. And, you know, um, I, it's my opinion, and I'll get your guys' thoughts on it when we come back, but the reality of it is um, when people see you do something well, they want that for them and their son or daughter, depending on the sport. This, is this applies to every sport, by the way. This isn't sure. a baseball thing. But the reality of it is people see what you do. They want that for their kid. And, you know, you ultimately will not be able to do that for every kid. No. Okay. Sure. And that's where I think a lot of people fall short. People see this, they come over here and they think they're going to get you and they can't get you all the time. So then when they get this person, if that falls short, now we've failed. Joe, you brought it up earlier in our conversation. The other part of this is this becomes a business transaction to some degree. It's more a, with emotion involved, a business transaction with emotion. Absolutely. So now we have a problem. So I want to talk about how you guys have combated that problem um, and how other clubs probably 
have or have not and failed. So we're going to talk about that when we come back. Speaking of great people, um, my congratulations as it's official, my friend and yours, Justin Stone with Elite Baseball Training out of Chicago. Um, you guys all know what I think of Justin. He was a big supporter. Uh, I mean, I've always loved his stuff. And then when I had the opportunity to meet him, he's been with me really from the beginning here on the show. Um, it's official now. Justin is uh, uh, not, I mean, not that he hasn't worked with the Cubs before, but he is now, um, you know, director of uh, biomechanical training for the Chicago Cubs. Um, you know, we're going to have Justin on next week. I'm not even going to attempt to tell you what he's doing. I'm not even sure he can tell you everything he's doing for the Chicago Cubs. But we're going to come on next week with Justin, talk a little bit about his journey, um, you know, from his playing days to his, uh, to his coaching days, his recruiting days, back to training. And now, you know, as he's come full circle to, uh, you know, to basically working with some of the best athletes in the world. Um, it's interesting, though. Um, I did have a chance to talk to him yesterday. And, you know, some things will never change. I mean, he'll still be – working one day with a gentleman probably getting paid multi multi-million dollar contracts per year and then the next day he'll be back at home with eight-year-olds teaching them how to just swing the crap out of it in a cage so um interested to hear from justin next week congratulations to him again if you're not uh subscribed to elitebaseball.tv you're doing yourself a disservice it'll be the best 99 dollars you ever spent let's see what he has for us now um i know he's probably about to get busier too so my man travis kerber may have to pick up the slack for him sometime doesn't matter who you hear from let's go to the elite baseball.tv training tip of the week thanks jim justin stone here from elite baseball.tv and one of the things i want to make clear to listeners of this program is that i get so many parents that have anxiety over their child's anxiety that happens when we don't have success in the game of baseball so the majority of questions that a trainer fields are about failure correct because when everything is going good you don't see the need for one telling that instructor or coach that everything's going well we where everything's hunky-dory but when things aren't going well we push the panic button for a variety of different reasons but we end up putting our thumb on the wrong thing so that's what i'm here to talk to you about today the first thing that the younger the player is the first thing that they tend to blame on lack of success is their swing mechanics portion of it and in reality, that's usually not the case of why a player fails to have success. And first of all, you got to put things in perspective a little bit better. I have players that come in to me and say, I always ask, start with, tell me something that's going well. I always start with a positive. Because I want them to reflect that when things are going well, to remember what that process feels like too. So let's highlight things that are going well. But then when we get to, well, things aren't going so well, and they say, well, I'm in a huge slump right now. I said, well, what's a slump constitute? They said, well, I haven't got a hit in my last two games. I was 0 for 6. So that, you know, that's mind-boggling to me because we know how much failure is built around the game of baseball. But the child's mind, 0 for 6, is a huge deal a lot of times. Failure in two consecutive games says, okay, what I am doing is not working. So first we have to put things in perspective and make them realize that there's going to be oftentimes, I said this to my own 6-year-old daughter at her first 0 for in a t-ball game the other day, and she was almost in tears at the end of the game. And I said, you know, you know how many times I went over in a game in my life? And she said, how many? And I said, over 100. Probably over 200. Probably over 300. I don't know. But it's a lot of times. And immediately she brushed it off and things were good after that. But I think about how many times players come into me with the same type of situation and story. Now, where's the parent fit into this? I think having conversations about what actually is going through a player's mind is going to rule out the first thing that they want to blame, and that's mechanics. It's not necessarily the swing that's causing a player to have success 
or not have success. You've heard me say on the program many times that of the top five things that are going to have a player to have success or failure within a game, mechanics is the least important of those five. Is it important? Absolutely. We spend a lot of time working on it. But pitch selection, pitch recognition, approach, and the most important piece is timing. So I had a Division I player coming into me. This guy's going to be a pro, maybe be a big leaguer one day, and is fighting what he feels are swing flaws. His swing is fine. The issue is that when he gets in a game, he gets very amped up. He changes who he is as a person because of the anxiety of competition. We all go through that. But it's important to point out that 8-year-olds go through it, 22-year-olds go through it, and while I told him, yeah, we can work on your swing right now, your swing is going to be fine, We're not going to, I'm not going to do anything revolutionary here that's really going to help you other than talk. We're going to talk more than we're going to hit. And actually what I did is I sent him his number to a pro player and started a conversation with a pro player that I've worked the exact same anxiety, speed up, brain is working too fast, and that conversation was going to be much more helpful than something I was going to give him as a coach or a trainer. So where can you fall into that too? As a parent, have those conversations with your son or daughter. You're going to reveal a lot more about what is going well and the successes that we're going to try to continue and the things that aren't going so well by just getting them out in the open. Getting the things that are stressing them out in the open reduces the level of stress. And then finding those things that are stressing them helps you have a conversation that you can really aid your player and end up having more success in the game. So whether it's, you know, I'm not being aggressive enough early in the count, I'm being too aggressive, those things are gonna be a much bigger factor on the success in a game than what their swing mechanics are. So let's stop bringing, blaming swing mechanics right away, and let's start getting deeper into conversations about what's causing stress, anxiety, timing issues, and conversations are gonna bring those to the forefront. Just another opportunity to share the love of the game of baseball in a relationship with your son or daughter, hopefully in a positive breath. So you're not going to do this necessarily right in a game. Picture time. As an adult, know when the best time is to approach your child about that and have that meaningful conversation. That's going to make them have more success in the game going forward. Until next time, this is Justin Snell with EliteBaseball.tv, and we'll see you on the field. Great stuff as always, and once again, congratulations are in order for my man Justin Stone and the whole gang up at EliteBaseball.tv. Um, you know, if you follow Elite Baseball at all, you know they do a tremendous job with their program. You know, they, you know, they, good kids playing in good situations, good colleges. You know, a lot of guys getting an opportunity to play. They do a great job. They're second to none, as I say all the time, tied for first. There's a lot of great people out there, but EliteBaseball.tv, folks, you're missing out. All right, back to my f guest, uh, Chris Craddock and Joe Lopez with the Missouri Gators. Um, before we went away, guys, I, I gave you, wanted to give you a few seconds to think about where I was going. Um, really what I was getting at is I think that's where a lot of organizations fall short. I think it's a compliment to, you know, guys like yourself, Chris, or, you know, um, I think a lot of good coaches get those compliments and, you know, hey, I really love the way you do this. And then you get an idea and you put a thing together and you say, this is how we're going to do it. And then you realize real quick that there's just not a lot of people out there that want to do it like you do it, sometimes for free. <laughs> That's the other thing, right? Every, everybody wants it for free. And then, um, and then you grow, and the next thing you know, um, I don't know about you guys, but I, don't even, I was never even part of an organization, but I'd get calls from people saying, hey, your coach isn't, you know, he's not. And I'm like, hey, wait a minute, time out. And number one, we're not even an organization. Oh, well, I thought, and I'm like, well, I, you know, if somebody misled you there, I don't know, but, you know, not every team is going to coach it like we do it.
But when you're an organization, Joe, I think you mentioned in the other room, it almost becomes a business transaction and people have expectations. Sure. You guys take those very seriously. I mean, I think most clubs have what I would call a mission statement. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. Um, how important is that to you guys? Well, I think it's real important. Um, you know, at the beginning, again, it was it was it was a little bit of a dream uh, that that Chris had, that Steve had, and you know, the more the more folks you have uh, involved with the organization, the more the more um, people that are wanting to be a part of it as employees, as leaders, as staff members. You know, you you have to start creating a mission statement, and for us, you know, uh, the mission statement's pretty pretty long and broad, but I, I would say that inside of there. It's all about creating a world-class experience and um, a world-class experience as it relates to character development, um, as it relates to being able to build community, uh, as it relates to being able to enhance talent. And ultimately, we think that those, those pillars um, will help us change the game. Um, you know, so it's important to us. Um, you know, and in fact, Jim, it's... It's a it's a good point that you bring up there because we w when we first launched we had uh, we had the Missouri Gators as a baseball club and sort of in this in this in this uh, horizontal brand strategy we had this facility called the Sports Barn and the Sports Barn was meant to sort of house the Missouri Gators and other independent you know um, uh, you know aspiring baseball and softball players. And as the organization grew and as you started to kind of step into the sports barn, you would feel a disconnect between the Missouri Gators mission, the culture that we're trying to build, and maybe the more general approach for the sports barn. And so over the last 90 days, what we've been working on is this, this strategy, which, which we started to deploy last week. Um, which is basically a vertical integration of our facilities and our clubs. So we are dropping the name Sports Barn. Um, now the name is going to be called the Gators Baseball Academy. And the Gators Baseball Academy will be synonymous with the building, with the development, with the clubs, um, you know, trying to, trying to really focus in on that one culture um, for, for the organization. I think that's important. Um, you know, Chris, I, I look at a guy like you who started just as a coach, right? Yep. Um, you know, whether it's one team or 50-something teams, it doesn't matter. You have to develop a culture. I mean, I otherwise the inmates run the asylum. I mean, that's the truth. I mean, Absolutely. And to touch, you know, with 59 coaches out there, we'll get calls. Uh, we, get, we do a weekly recap of, hey, how'd your tournament go? And were there any issues? And if there are, then we need to, you know, uh, meet it head on and kind of, uh, you know, get to the bottom of it and make sure every th everybody's on the same page. Uh, that's 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 a big task. <laughs> well, it's difficult. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. I mean, having having to, you know, having to manage um, that many coaches, which <clears throat> which, by the way, we feel we feel that, you know, wanting to have that coaching experience is also important. You know, I, I, I myself, you know, I've coached and, I, and I've coached my son. And to be honest with you, Jim, you know, some of the best moments in my life have been coaching. And, and so when we, when we started to sort of deep, you know, kind of deploy the strategy, we were talking about how important is it for a coach to sort of have that entrepreneurial feel of this is kind of his own team. 
but there are still some non-negotiables that the club wants to deploy. And that's both that's both awesome because we can we can sort of help set some sort of a culture, but it's also very difficult to manage because again, you have you have a lot of different personalities out there and you know, honestly, we don't we don't always get it right. Um, but it's not because we don't care and it's not because we're not working our tails off to, you know, to try to get it right. Um, you know, it's funny you say that because, you know, we were, we talked a little bit before the show and, you know, you, you, you start wrapping your brain around all the things that people, other people deal with that you probably dealt with at some time. You know, you said it out loud right there. And I think that's the hardest thing in the whole deal. You're not always going to get it right. And I think the problem is, is the expectations probably because of two things. I brought up one, you brought up the other. And, and really, you bring it up, and a lot of people don't even want to say this, but it is a business transaction. It's no different than buying something and you're unhappy with it, so you take it back. It's no different. Um, but it's also, you know, your word, what you say you're going to do. But the truth of the matter is, like you said, you're not always going to get it right. I think parents expect it to be right all the time. And now, listen, I'm not saying all parents, but it does seem like to me, and I don't know what you guys think, I hate to say this out loud because, again, this is, you know, sometimes it sounds like we're being negative on here towards a certain group of people, but the reality of it is it's usually 75% of the same people. Hmm. And I have to tell them sometimes, I don't know if you guys have ever done this, you need to look in the mirror. (laughs) That's the hardest conversation. I don't know what your guys' hardest conversation is, but I've had to have conversations with people that I really like. Say, listen, you need to look in the mirror. I mean, you are constantly having an issue. I mean, th- you're not unlucky. <laughs> right. This isn't, I mean, you, maybe you should buy a lottery ticket because everything keeps hitting on you. I, it's the, the, the only common denominator here is the in the mirror. Yeah. Now, it, that, that works the same way for me when I was coaching. If I'm having the same problem over and over again, I need to go look in the mirror, right? And I'm sure, and I know there was, there were things that I did that I needed to get better at. And that's how I got better at them, to be quite honest. Yeah, we all have those moments. You know, I mean, I, I, I remember. I tell people all the time. I remember the last day when I said I would never like lose it again. I saw somebody else do it, and I remember sitting on my bucket. And you know what was funny was the reason that I I just sat there was I could see it coming. Bad day for this guy. Nothing was going right. You know, you could tell there was and the team was in district. You could tell, and I'm just sitting here watching him going, this guy's gonna lose it. This guy's going to lose it. And he did. And I sat there and I thought, God, I, gotta, I, I have to have ha- I had to have looked like that at once. I never did it again. Yeah. You know, and it's hard. You know, and, and people, I don't think people understand that coaches are, are in it with the kids. I mean, have you ever coached a game in your life and didn't feel like you were in it with the kids? No. Sometimes I feel like I'm in it more than the kids. <laughs> well, yeah, well, that's when it really gets frustrating. <laughs> yeah, when, when I want it more than they do, uh, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a tough thing. But, you know, like Joe said, you know, I don't know that I get a bigger joy than going out on the field and coaching my 12U team or, you know, being a part of uh, coaching these kids. And it's, it's, it's fun to – everything that you work in or practice and you see it happen in the game, that's gratifying, you know. You, you know you're helping them out. Um. You know, that, you're right about that. And the thing is, when you guys are affecting as many kids as you are, I mean, there's got to be it, – it only takes one rotten apple to spoil the bunch. Everybody knows that. But at least in this type of thing, you're dealing with people, you, you probably see a lot of great things. I mean, you know, it's easy to focus on the negatives, 
they seem to take the forefront of the attention. But the reality of it is, I mean, you can't – both you guys probably can't even imagine or have probably not even taken a minute to sit back and think about all the positive effects you've had on people. And I don't know that we talk about that enough. I mean, it's so much about, quote-unquote, baseball that we lose sight of what baseball really does. I mean, the competitiveness, the – you know, I, I t- listen, at the end of the day, it's a game of failure. I tell people all the time, if if you don't know that going in, you're you're in the man, you're in for a long ride because you cannot sit there and every time a kid fails, just turn it into an absolute disaster because it's going to be a disaster all the time. Technically, it's going to be a disaster. What about seventy percent of the time, right? <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, good, yeah. I mean, yeah. why would you invite that into your life? But I understand. I mean, nobody. I don't know. It, it's a tough thing, but it's it's sometimes you got to sit back and say, you know what, you know. A lot of kids got a lot out of this. I mean, I, I can't even imagine when you have the amount of teams that you have. Um, Joe, you said something to me in the other other room. Um, very important to use an open door policy. Yeah, that's great, and it's tough. Yep. Um, I say on this show, the whole show's designed around we can't fix anything if we don't talk about it. Um, I always say also that sometimes I'm not sure there is anything we can do about it. Are those the toughest conversations when somebody comes to you and they're unhappy, things aren't working out, but there's no clear answer? I mean, I, I, what do you do there? Because, you, I mean, I think people lose sight, too, of while it is a business transaction, you're dealing with real people yeah. on both sides. I'm not just talking about the parent. I mean, you know, I tell there's no way guys don't care. But sometimes you get in a spot, you're like, I, I don't know what to do here. Yeah. How do you handle that? You know, I'll tell you, we, we – um so when we when we get together as as leaders and and we and we do quite often, uh, I think sometimes they get a little bit upset with me because we have because you we don't have, have meetings about meetings, do you, Joe? No, we don't have meetings okay. about meetings. But I, <laughs> no, but I will tell you that we we do have meetings. I mean, you know, you have to, Jim. This is this is important stuff, man. Um, you know, you're talking about close to a thousand young lives that you're touching uh, every day, and uh, you know. We serve an awesome God, and and we have a great responsibility to these kids and 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 their families. You know, and sometimes sometimes you you have to do the right thing, and you have to say maybe this organization can't answer that question for you, Jim. You know, mm. if that's if that's you know if we if we've gotten to a point to where, you know, the doors open, we're listening to your concerns, we're listening to your to your questions, and. And ultimately, the organization can't maybe fulfill that request for you. Um, it could be a situation where physically, um, you know, emotionally, we can't. Um, so it kind of brings me to a good point, too, Jim. We, um, we had a, uh, we conducted a survey. Uh, so this was a club-wide survey um, about 60 days ago. And basically what we asked the club and all the families in the club was, what's the most important aspect of this club to you? Okay? And so we, we gave them uh, 14 different options of things that could be important to you. Everything from, you know, the fan gear that you wear to the uniform that you wear to player development, character, everything. And... We got, we got a great response. So 25% of our club responded. And, you know, in the world of surveys, 25% is unheard of. That's so, high. So it was, it was awesome. And um, this is what we got. 
we heard uh, skill development. We want the club to help our kids develop, right? So, so we have to listen to that because we don't want the club to help our kids win. We want the club to help our kids develop. Second thing was character development, right? So what are we teaching the kids? The kids are watching us. They're watching the coaches. They're watching the instructors. What are we teaching the kids? And the third thing, so these were the three most important things. It was, it was skill development, character development. And the third thing was atmosphere and culture. And basically the club telling us that when I drop my kid off for a lesson or an academy or a team practice inside of your facility, I want to make sure that the atmosphere and the culture is appropriate for my kid, whether he's an eight-year-old or he's a 17-year-old that's training to go play college baseball or pro baseball somewhere. And so, um, you know, just, just trying to answer your question on the open door policy, we really wanted to just kind of open that door and say, tell us how this club can become more relevant um, to the things that you're wanting, you know, for the club to answer for you. You know, I love the survey idea. Um, and you're right, a voluntary survey, 25% is high. One of the things I've always said is that if I did this, it'd be mandatory. Like, at the end of the season, you fill out the survey. You also fill it out before. And if you don't do it, you're not playing. Only because of this. Let me, let me, let me tell you this. And you're right, 25%, that's strong. I, know, I mean, I've, I worked at AB for a long time. When you try to get surveys and stuff, it's, you know, people, I'm too busy, right? They're too busy to do a survey to help you provide something better for them, but then a lot of those people are the first ones to complain when, they, when things aren't done the way they want them done. And that's what I've always said to people. I've always said, listen, you're going to do this, and here's why you're going to do it, because you're not going to come and complain to me later that I didn't give you what you wanted. I need you to let me know what you want. Yeah, you, you know what I mean? Right. I love the whole survey thing. I yep. do. I think it's, you know, and here's the thing. I had somebody, when I, when I told them this, I said, listen, here's the thing about it. I want you to think about this. I said, if I ask you to do a survey and you tell me what I want to hear, are you ever going to get what you really want? So be honest. People aren't honest sometimes. You ever, you ever notice that too? Oh, listen, you've, you've dealt with that dad, right? And mom or dad or even the kid. Oh, I want development. I want skill development. And then they're the first one screaming and hollering on the, on the stands because you didn't, you know. They want to win. Because you didn't steal home That's on right. some poor kid that couldn't, you know. And it's like, listen. I'm not having him. He's not going to steal home when he's 14 in this situation. He's not stealing home today. You know, I, I, I'll never forget one of the first tournaments when we were younger. We went to Chicago. It was in February. It was in, in winter. We went up there to open the Rosemont Dome. They invited us up. So I, I worked very closely with our high school coach here. He taught me so much about things that I was doing wrong when I was younger, mainly pitching. And I had a conversation with him. I said, hey, we got invited because we did really well at 9U State. And in Illinois, 9U is open. And, you know, here's this little team from Edwardsville, and we beat a bunch of these Chicago teams. And they said, hey, we'd love you to come up. I said, okay. So I go to Tim, and I said, it's a pretty neat experience. He goes, you know, normally I'm against this, but you're right. This is a neat experience. And I think if we do it right, it's fine. I mean, we're at that time of year, we're throwing bullpens anyway. So we put a plan together. We go to Chicago. First game we play. Every one of my kids, you know, all, you know, five innings, everybody throws one inning. And this guy says, what are you doing? It's a Chicago coach. So they're all throwing one inning. He says, why? <laughs> I said, well, I mean, you got enough pitching to pitch four or five games this weekend in January? 
all out. You know, this kid pitched a whole game, and I, it just it's so. My, I guess my point is, what are people doing? I mean, at the end of the day, what are you trying to do, right? If you're trying to do what you guys are trying to do, which is give people how do I put this? Let me change. Let me change it. How do you give people what they want, but yet also give them what they need? That's kind of where I'm going with okay. this. That's the hard part, right? Sure. Because whether we want to admit it or not, and it's hard to say to people, but what they want sometimes is not what they need. Is that the hardest part of the business transaction? It is. That's that's really hard. And you know, right now we're dealing with. Uh, so we've got we've got some graduating classes that are coming up here now, and so now. You know, all the time and the energy and the investment in, in, in all the different ways are all sort of culminating into something. And now the conversations start to get very real. And, you know, when we talk about people, Jim, there are people in the organization that know baseball. Okay. Um, again, you sit with a guy like Jake DePew, you sit with a guy like Jake Worrell or, you know, Keyless French, all these different, they know baseball. But one of the things that we're asking them to become is great communicators. You have to be able to communicate messages, the tough ones, the really good ones, the ones that folks don't want to hear. Um, and it's hard. Yeah. It's, you know, giving, giving, giving that message of what you need versus what you want um, I think it's a gift, and I think it takes a great deal of emotional intelligence to be able to pull off. Amazing you said that. I've said, you know, I, you know I, I've talked to different people about doing different things like you guys are doing, and I, people have asked me, you know, what do you think? What do you, I said, you know, the, in my opinion, and again, it's an opinion, and Chris, I'd love your thought on this because you started just like I did. If you're really going to do this, and you're going to be successful at it, and you're going to be able to sleep at night, you gotta be able to sleep at night. See, there's a the hard part, right? That's right. You gotta be willing to have tough conversations. You've gotta be willing to walk away from money. And the problem is, in this business, a lot of people are not willing to do that. They're willing to tell people things they wanna hear so that they can take their money. The reality of it is, and this is not, listen, this is where we lose ourselves in this. The reality of it is, what you do sometimes is not for everybody. You have to be willing to tell somebody. This conversation right here has to happen sometimes. I think right now this is not for him. I don't think he's getting anything out of this. I think you need something different. We talk about it all the time, and Joe talks about, it, you know, we may not be the club for everybody. You know, if, if it doesn't fit exactly what you need, you as much as we try to make everybody happy, you can't make everybody happy. And there may be a better fit out there for you and your son and your family. And that's okay. You know, um, we're going to keep doing what we think is right. And if it's not a good fit, then there are many other choices here in St. Louis and maybe they'll find there, or they're usually the family that may try that next year. And then the next year, a different one, mm -hmm. and the next year, a different one. That's the, there's the one right there. You just brought it up and we all have, we all know I feel bad for the kid, the kid that's on a different team every year. It's not yeah. the kid. No. It's not the kid. No. You know, it's a shame. It really is. You know, and here's the thing. I'm not saying sometimes it's not justified on the, on the, on the family's part. There's, there's bad experiences. We're not going to get away from it. I, every club, I'm sure you guys probably sometimes lay awake, lay, lay awake in bed at night and think, man, this, 
you know, not we did this kid dirty, but man, this was a bad experience for this kid. How do we fix this? Mm-hmm. Can we fix it? I got a great example. Uh, there's a kid that moved into town, I think is 11U, 12U, good little player, came and played with us. That next year he moved back to where he came from. Since then we followed him, and he played on about four different teams, so about a different team every year. So now fast forward to 17U, and dad reaches out to me and says, hey, we've kind of burnt all of our bridges here. I need to showcase them. Is there anything there in St. Louis? We'll, we're willing to travel. We'll do everything. And his last thing he sent to me was, if I had to do it all over again, I would do it totally different. And, you know, he, he got it, but it's almost too late for that kid who's a junior now going to be a senior in high school. And probably because of the parents burnt so many bridges that the kid really doesn't have another place to go. Sad. It is. It you, is. Know, you know, we talk about that, Jim. Excuse me. No, just, just, just for a second, we talk about that. This game's going to end for everybody. That's, yeah, at some juncture. It's it's going to end for everybody. And, you know, um, our hope is that, is that somehow, some way, everybody gets an opportunity to, you know, um, see the game to the end, maybe even get paid to play the game sure. at the highest level, um, God willing. Um, what you do and how you act, the things you say, those things matter. And, uh, and we talk about those things. And, you know, honestly, if I can spend 100% of my time focusing on just that, I would. Um, it's, 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 it's hard for us as an organization to do that. Um, but those types of things matter because I don't, I don't know that that kid would have to jump. You know, the way that we built the organization is to where, you know, at the youth level, there are four different levels of baseball. We have a, we have sort of a rec level. We have a, you know, we have a, a this, this level where it's kind of a double A ball. Um, you know, a team that really feels like they're kind of trying, you know, to develop a little bit more. There's a level where it's, you know, double A, triple A, where it's a, you know, a little bit more competitive, but maybe the families don't want to necessarily um, engage um, so much with baseball. And then we have a level of, you know, highly competitive kids and highly competitive families that, you know, uh, would, would consider themselves maybe the best club in town, maybe even a region. And, and so with that being said, I, I, I want to be able to say that our organization should be able to house any family looking for that, for any one of those experiences. You know. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I, well, I think it's important only because, I mean, you know, life's like a box of chocolates, right? I mean, <laughs> you don't, I mean, listen, I, if you can, it's, when you do that, Okay, and I, I know you guys know I'm friends with a lot of the different people out there. You know, I thought the Rawlings Tigers did a good job with that. I yeah. really did. I thought Spike, I, I think a lot of Spiker, I think he does a great job. I, I love their organization. They kind of, you know, I mean, you know, I, I joke with all you guys sometimes. Some of the, some of the organizations are kind of like, you know, they, they go back and forth a little bit, almost like family. But, you know, the Rawlings have always just kind of sat down underneath there, and they thought, you know, we're just going to do this thing. And I loved the way they did what you just discussed. So I'm glad you guys are doing that because the reality – when I think everybody does it, I think you do it, but you kind of just do it. But then when you put it on paper, this is how we're going to do it and this is how it's structured, now you're out front with people and saying this is what you can expect. Yep. And I don't know that back in the day, 
everybody did it that way. I think you just like you know, Chris, when you and I first started, it was well, we're going to have a team. The coach assessed your team and said, "This is what we're going to play." Right. But that may not have jived with a couple of these parents and a couple of these. Parents. But but when you guys go into it, especially with what you're committing to, you've got to have something down to say, "This is what you can expect," and that's why I think that's important, Absolutely. and that's why I really thought what they did was good and I think what you're doing is, is awesome too especially with where you guys are going um, let's talk about where you guys are going I think it's time to, to, to talk about you guys um, you guys made a major announcement um, I'm intrigued to learn more um, it affects my neck of the woods um, you know, being an Illinois guy um, basing the show out of the St. Louis area but obviously being on this side of the river you guys are the Missouri Gators but you have an announcement I'll let uh one of you guys uh, make this official announcement here on Youth Baseball Talk. Go right ahead. Yeah, absolutely, Jim. So just kind of going back to what we were talking about before with the with the Missouri Gators and and the shifting of the brand of the Gators Baseball Academy. So so the organization entirely will be known as a Gators Baseball um, Gators Baseball Academy. The youth clubs uh, in Missouri will be known as the Missouri Gators. Um, last fall, we actually made an investment here um, in Roxana, Illinois, and we um, and we lifted up about seven thousand square feet here. Um, again, you know, back then it was a sports barn. Today, it it will be known as a Gators Baseball Academy, and it will it will be the headquarters to the Illinois Gators. So we're going to be looking at two youth club organizations. One is the Missouri Gators. One is the Illinois Gators. And that actually carries you all the way up until high school. When you get to high school, you you now play for the Gators Baseball Academy, and you can transcend states, you can transcend regions if, if, if you need to. Sure. But between the ages of 6 all the way to 14, we are going to designate whether you belong to the Missouri Gators headquartered out of Wentzville or, or whether you belong to the Illinois Gators headquartered out of Roxana, um, out of Roxana, uh, here in town, um, Chris. Anything else that 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 we'd add to that, bud? You know, we're we're thinking that we can, you know, hopefully through tryouts, which will be announced uh, here by the end of the week for the Illinois side, that uh, we can bring on some quality teams. We know there's a lot of great baseball over here, and we're hoping that uh, you know they can call our what used to be Sports Barn uh, now Gators Baseball Academy home. And if it takes off like we think we do, we have some big plans for that facility in the coming years. Um, so a question I'm sure some of my listeners, and, and again, I'm very lucky to have, I mean, I have a large audience nationally, um, which people will be, you know, I'm sure people have seen you guys play, you know, when you travel, but the reality of it is you're based here in the St. Louis market. I have a nice following in this market, obviously, because it's home and, you know, we built it organically. So I've, <laughs> I, and, and I know from some of my responses that I get that it's local people. Um, so for those people, I'm sure one of the questions, because it's one of the questions I have, I'm, especially for our Illinois market, um, what, if I, what if I'm an Illinois guy but I want to play on the Missouri team because I don't know what that reason would be. Maybe you guys have a top team in Missouri and you look at some kid and go, holy cow, you really should be on this team. Will that be something that comes from you? Will it be their choice? Will it be kind of how are you going to – I mean, let's face it, there's Illinois, Missouri, but – where we're located it's so close yeah you could have some i mean maybe a missouri kid belongs on Illinois. i don't know i mean yeah, so we, how are you guys going to handle yeah that? we currently have some illinois players that play for the missouri gators sure and it could go back and forth i would assume because there might be some north county guys that would prefer to come sure. to this facility and call this home um i think we're going to welcome the illinois coaches um 
over to the Missouri tryout, and if uh, Missouri guys need a player or whatever, um, which I doubt from the large numbers that we should have at the Chesterfield tryout that you know we'll need to come over here, but um, to start the Illinois side if they need uh, some help, you know, it's definitely there. We're not going to say, oh, you got an Illinois zip code, you have to play for the Illinois Gators. Yeah, we're not necessarily drawing a line, Jim. Yeah, we're we're just sort of trying to give we're trying to give the player on this side of the river sort of a place that they can call home. Which right? I think is important. And and um and you know really that's what it is. But if you know again if if a team in Missouri needs a player that happens to live in Edwardsville or Springfield or what have you, yeah, it, it's okay. have at it, have okay. at it. Yeah, sounds Absolutely. good. One other big thing that just uh, came about: we've been a Wilson club for about three years. So Wilson's a parent company with uh, Dean Marini, Louisville Slugger, Evo Shield, right. ATEC, and uh, we're in a contract year and kind of been going back and forth. We met with every brand under the sun. Um, we were trying to. Our goal was to get into the Wilson Premier Baseball Group, and there's 28 current teams, which consist of East Cobb Astros, San Diego Show. Sandlot out of Arizona. I think Elite Baseball actually yes. um, may be part of that. I'm almost I'm pretty sure Justin's yeah. still with them. So yeah. there's uh you know, twenty eight teams and we did get the go ahead that we will as of August one, we'll be the twenty ninth team and you're in a protected region, so we'll have uh eastern Missouri, southern Illinois, um so the Gators Baseball Academy, their top teams will have, you know, definitive invites to their big programs are 17s are down in Florida right now playing in the Wilson Premier East uh, Classic. And, you know, a ton of colleges running around. And, oh, yeah. you know, you're, you're playing the big boys there. We oh, think yeah. they, they lost the other day to a team that had, I think, 19 D1 commits. So yeah. uh, it's it's big yeah. boy baseball. My son played at the, uh, you know, um, I know you guys know Rick. He has an invite every year to the, the World Series yep. down there. And uh, it's the top, you know, it's the supposed top 30 programs. I know there's others. But – um. I, I just 15 years old, 15 U baseball. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe the number of commit. You know, because you get a program. Sure. It says in there, and you know, kids throwing 93 at 15 and six foot three and run like deer with wooden bats hitting home. I, it's crazy. I was telling somebody the other day. I said it was. You know what? I go. I can tell you, as amazed as I was, the kids throwing 90, 89, 88, 91 at 15. I couldn't believe the number of kids smacking it around. Yeah. 15 yeah. with wood bats smacking it around. I'm like, it was an experience, man. It's a different time. It was time. an experience. I, I just thought, you know, so what you guys are doing in some of these clubs providing, and, and let's face it, the kids that are playing in these are elite-level players Absolutely. at their age. They are. And listen, the, the, the honest part of this stuff is, folks, it's not. For, it, most kids are not prepared for that. They no. just aren't. It doesn't mean they won't be. It doesn't mean there isn't a place for them. We're talking about the absolute best of the best at whatever age it is. Okay, it's something to work for. But you guys and some of the other clubs providing these kids this opportunity, especially in the Midwest, is something that has been needed. To quite frankly, I mean, let's face it. What a you know? Oh yeah, you know, you don't live in a warm weather state. What are you going to do? I mean, you guys have really taken this thing and given these kids. You probably can't even imagine the number of kids that you've given an opportunity that otherwise would have never gotten it. To be quite honest. I mean, it's got to make you realize, geez, we're doing something right. It's cool, and it's it's a lot of fun watching the little guys, you know, 9s, 10s, 11s, 12s, looking up at those, you know, 15, 16, 17-year-olds traveling and, uh, you know, competing with the best teams. And they look up to those guys, and they see them around the sports barn. Uh, it's pretty cool to see them watching those guys. And, you know, they, they aspire to hopefully be that one day. 
Um, I want to talk about two topics before you guys go. Congratulations, by the way. Thank I think you. it's a great thing. Thank um, you, you know, I live here. I've lived here on this side of the river my whole life. I've watched this game explode. Everybody that listens to the show knows that I'm a commissioner in a select baseball league that houses about 200 teams from 7 to 14U. And, um, you know, uh, we see a little fluctuation in that some years it's 170-something. We've had as high as just over 200. Um, you know, that number's not going anywhere. There are kids that want to play this game. There are kids that want to be taught to play the game the right way. So you guys are going to add something over here in an, in a, in an untapped market for what you have, and I think you guys are going to do well. So congratulations on that. Thank and you. Again, Thank uh, you so for our listeners, if they want to know more about that, how do they do that? Uh, we'll post everything through MissouriGators.com. Uh, we'll have a trial registration link on there, and it has all the times and everything. As we said, uh, the Illinois stuff will come out by the end of the week, um, just waiting on solidifying a, a date in a field. And uh, all the Missouri stuff's already posted on there. And they can always call me personally at uh, 314-640-3942. Joe cringes when I give that out all the time. I was going to say, uh, I I love it. No, you know what, though? Thank goodness we live in a society that loves to go online anonymously and check stuff out. I say that all (laughs) the time. It's funny. I was telling uh, one of my sponsors the other day, I'm like, and I cannot tell you the number of people that I get emails from. Like, I'll have a guy on that's really good at something, and, you know, uh, whether hitting, pitching. And they'll send me emails, and I'm like, they don't want to, like, they feel stupid talking to people sometimes. It's like, the world we live in now, people just want to, I just want to go on here and, yeah. you know, it's just, it's odd the world we live in now. You know, it's like, just talk to somebody. Can't you put the phone and talk to them? I, I'll, yeah. I mean, I think the whole way home from Indy the other day, I think I must have talked to probably 25 different parents telling them about the club. And that's something I'm passionate about and I don't mind doing. Um, so two things I want to hit with you guys before we go. Um, and again, congratulations. I think it's awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing how you guys grow over here. And we'll have you back again and Great. after a year and see if you still have your sanity. Yeah. Sound good? Um, we lost that a long time. I mean, I was going to say, I, I, believe yeah. me, I've, I've, I talked to him on the phone. I could hear him sweating across the, the phone the last time I <laughs> yeah. talked to him. I don't think he was expecting me to say good luck <laughs> as opposed right. to, hey, you're going to do great. No. Anyway, so um, two things. Uh, you brought it up, Joe, and I wanted to touch on it. The culmination of all this for some people. Um, and that is, unfortunately or unfortunately, we live in a world where some people think there is a culmination to this in the form of what's in it for me now. You know, I say all the time, the, the, the experience, the life lessons and all that's not enough. Where am I going? Now where do I go? So you know where I'm going with this, the, the scholarships. Sure. Um, you know, I've had some great people on to debunk the myths of the scholarship in baseball. You know, you, you hear people say all the time, oh, he's going to, you know, he's got a scholarship to go here. Oh, yeah, he's getting a full ride. Well, you know, number one, I, there's, I can probably count on, I'm not going to say that because I know there's odd circumstances out there, but there's very few people that get a full ride to scholarship in baseball. Um, That's number one. Number two, um, you know, the thing that I find interesting about the whole scholarship thing, uh, I want to want your thoughts on the early commits. Um, And and because here's the thing. I always say I think I know enough to be dangerous, right? Um, Last year, and and again, I know this. I'm no dummy, and you guys know Rick Strickland. You know, he has a – ton of connections that he's made over the years of doing what he does and doing it well watching him sit outside the dugout with all these coaches and how they hinge on every word he says was impressive sure i was like wow you know he's not the only one i mean there's there's other guys that this is what they do you guys are in that world now right yep um i know you mentioned earlier i think seth van seth is handling your is kind of your recruitment guy right yep 
but but yourself and everybody that's involved in this, this has become a big thing now. I mean, this is, you know, these are no longer conversations about Johnny not getting enough innings and and you know should where should he be in the batting order. Now sure. we're we're probably having a realistic conversation with a kid that, you know, let's face it, this is no exact science here, and it's different for every kid. How has the seriousness of that affected what you're doing? I, I know. You know, from day one, we did another survey, and we had the kid, hey, put four schools where you think you want to go to or play baseball. This is a good one. I guarantee this is going to be good. This is great. Yeah. (laughs) Listen, I've had this. It's funny. I know where you're going. I've had this conversation with every good baseball person that's been on here that's involved in it. Yeah, you know, LSU, Vandy, (laughs) Arizona State, University of Florida. Okay, now really where do you want to go? Where do you think you can play? And uh, Seth does a great job of setting the realistic expectations and they're tough conversations and I've, I've sat in many of them um and it's hard to you know see a kid's uh expectation or hope or dream maybe be squashed a little bit and it's okay to have that dream school you know because we're not going to tell you hey you can't get there but if you're five seven throwing 73 miles an hour and you want to be a pitcher you're not going to go play at, at those type of schools so it's uh you know there's great baseball d1 d2 d3 uh juco you know jeff jeffco is right down, you know right down the road and they have an unbelievable program they just went to the world series some of those guys that have came in the sports barn and worked out you know they're throwing 95 98 miles an hour some of those juco teams will beat a lot of major oh you know, division one yeah teams that's all day. that's one of the biggest myths well you oh. know i i think i think also guys i mean let, let's talk about life sure. right let's talk about you mean life, how it's not fair? <laughs> well, you know, and, and, and let's talk about all the different things that you're going to do in life. You know, um, you know we're, we're using this term called reverse recruiting now. And that's, I really want you to think about what kind of a school you want to go yeah. to. Like, do you want to go to a big school? Do you want to go to a private school? Do you want to go to a Christian school? What region of the country do you want to go to? What do you want to study? You think you like numbers? You want to go to a good finance school? Let's talk about all of those things, and now let's start to really hone in on the type of experience. These are four years of what could potentially be the best years of your life. Sure. For me, Jim, I grew up in Miami, Florida. I played baseball at Coral Gables High School. I got recruited to play all around Dade County. And the way the way things worked in my life is I ended up learning about a school called the University of North Carolina at Charlotte, Division One Conference USA. And I thought, I, I want to do that. I want to get out of the hustle and bustle of Dade and Broward County, and I want to go see what the rest of the United States is like. And what a fabulous experience that was. 20,000 students, a lot of mountains, a lot of, you know, just a lot of untapped, uh, you know, uh, just this untapped world, right? And there... I met a phenomenal head coach that played at Wichita State. I met some of the greatest friends that I've ever met in, in my life. And I picked up some of the business acumen that I was able to pick up through that school. And, and, the, story, you know, and the story goes on. But there's a lot of places to play. I mean, and, and, and so some, sometimes our conversations are, you know, have you heard of schools like Wofford and Radford and Winthrop? And, you know, and... and, and no one can really understand that there's that many different places to go play at the next level. I think the thing that I, when I have this conversation with people, and again, this is another topic 
or subject that I always preface when I have this conversation with people is remember that I just know enough to be dangerous. Okay, this is not, I'm not an expert on this. I would never give you, a, a, you know, I will just tell you what I think based on what I know. And I've said this a hundred times over. Number one, if you really want to play college baseball at the next level, and whatever that is for you, right? So if you're a high school player, the next level for you naturally would be college. First and foremost, take care of your academics. Absolutely. And if you're a good player, if you're a good player, not even great, if you're a good baseball player and you have good academics, there's somewhere for you to play baseball. Absolutely. Now, to, to Chris's point, it may not be on your top four list, but now we got to get into what's important to you. And that's why I like what you're doing over there, because it's like, okay, how important is playing baseball in college to you? If it's if it's nowhere near on the list as, as going to the right school, well, now you do have a little bit of a problem. But if you're one of these guys that's like, look, I just I want that experience. I want to play baseball. And you have good academics. There's somewhere for you to play. Sure. Now, again, Absolutely. it may not be where you want to go. And so guess what? There's your first life lesson. You don't always get what you want sometimes. Mm. But, but let me promise you this, folks, and we say it all the time, and you can listen to these two gentlemen, and they can touch on this. I've said it a hundred times over. If you're a, and again, I know I have a lot of young people listening to this show. Take your grade so serious. If the, well, number one, take them serious anyway, but if playing baseball at the next level is really, really important to you, take your grades even more serious. You want options? There, there it is. Because I promise you, if you're a good player, not a great player, a good player, and your grades are not very good, you have really, really cut down on your options. Again, I, if you're a good player and your grades aren't great, there's still places for you to play. Yeah. But now we've really cut down on our options. Yeah. One of the first things that Seth gets asked, I'm sure, and I know that uh, my old coach, Coach Gutton down at Missouri State, first thing he's asked, how the academics. Yeah. Um, that, will, that will cross you off the board right away with these guys. So, you know, your freshman year when you go in, you get a little lazy and you come in with a 2-8 and you want a cumulative GPA of three five, it it's not just it's hard hey, to get it back. I, exactly. So we, we've we've identified six six pillars that we talk about when it comes to next level recruiting. We say that we say that number one, the student is 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 important. And see, some of the clubs want to say that we the club got the kid to the next level. Sure. And and. We would like to say that a culmination of really six things came together to make this happen. A, the student. We would say that the family has a lot to do with it. The family being able to set realistic expectations about A, financially, B, you know, like what's your, what's your threshold, how far are you willing to let your son go. Um, so the family's important. Number three, the high school. When, when I first got into, into this aspect of, of baseball, all I kept hearing about was this, this sort of this sort of hard line that's drawn between the clubs and the high schools. I don't really know what happened or why it happened, but to me it makes no sense. And to me, the club and that bridge between the club and the high school has got to exist. We have to know what the high school coach is going to be handing back to us af after the season. The high school coach has to know how that player has been developing with us over the fall and so that when we hand them off to them for the high school season that they feel comfortable about what we've been doing with them. So the high school is important. That's an interesting one. There's a dynamic yeah. that a lot of people don't, I don't think, realize that that's not always a, a peachy, 
Peachy King, Rosie Rose relationship. No. Yeah. The fourth thing that we'd say is third-party resources, Jim. There are third-party resources today that, that, that blow my mind every day. From a social media standpoint, from, you know, from online portals where you can upload information and coaches have visibility to you, tap into those third-party resources that you know, we as a club obviously provide our high school uh, players, but, but, but they're everywhere. The fifth thing we, that we'd say is the club. Right, so the club is important. Um, it is important that we are recognized. It is important that we do have folks in the organization whose full-time job is to make these connections and um, you know and and get those players recognized. And the sixth part of this, Jim, is the player. You at at the end of it, you do have to play the game, and you do have to have the right metrics, and you do have to be in the right position for that right year for that college to work out. So we'd say that there's six pillars that all, again, have to kind of all come together for the whole story to, you know, to blossom the way that we want it to blossom. What would be your guys' advice? Um, this is a great conversation. You guys will love this. Um, this is a hockey story. This is a good one. Um, happened to know a guy, played ball with him when I was younger. Um, his son actually or this gentleman actually worked for the St. Louis Blues for quite some time, and his son was a tremendous hockey player, uh, played for Al McKinnis here with some of these kids that are now in the, the league. Um, years ago, um, they went up to, you know, this, this, this team, you know, they would go to Canada and win. I mean, they were loaded with talent. Sitting around, um, tells me the story that they're sitting around at the rink one day, and they're at that age now where they're starting to talk to schools. He was telling a story about his kid visiting uh, Tony Granado at Harvard, and he was kind of explaining to him the deal. He's telling these guys, he's like, you know, I'm sitting here looking at this going, okay, you know, he'd love to go to Harvard, he'd love to play hockey, but ta 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 he's doing all this stuff. And the guy looks at him and says, well, you're not going to do that, are you? And he says, well, I don't know. I mean, it's an opportunity for him to go to Harvard and play hockey there. I mean, it's a, it's a life-changing thing, you know. He goes – why don't you wait and hold out and see what he gets scholarship-wise from somebody else offer? And he says, well, I, you know, this and that. And the guy goes, well, well, that's what we're doing because, you know, if he doesn't get a scholarship, this was all a waste of time. Jerry looks at him and goes, what? And he says, yeah, I mean, come on. Look at, look at what we've done all these years. I mean, if, if he doesn't get a scholarship, this was a waste of time. And Jerry looks at him and says, wait a minute. You've played on this hockey team now for five years. It's fifteen thousand just to play on the team. We probably spend another fifteen traveling because we fly every weekend to Canada and stay in hotels in Detroit. And he's like, "I, I, you're no different than me. I know what I spent last year for my son to play hockey on his team. It was thirty thousand dollars. Let's not let's not quibble. If I put thirty thousand dollars a year from the time he was little that I spent on hockey, he'd go to any college he wants. Right now, this is about more." And a scholarship. Hmm. <laughs> okay. So there are people out there that believe that if this does not culminate in a college scholarship, that it was a waste of time. What would be your advice to those people, Chris? As much <laughs> as I would love to say everybody's going to get a college scholarship at the end, it's, it's, not, it's not happening. Um, I know me as a ball player growing up, everything that I learned on the ball field and the friendships I made um, was well more than a, a scholarship in my life. Um, but they're, uh, I think they're off if they think that this is going to culminate in a scholarship for every ball player and it, it's not cheap. And 
the stuff that is along the road over possibly starting at 8U to 18U, you know, 10 years of ball and the stuff that you learn and the life lessons you learn are going to go a lot further. Yeah, I, and make no mistake about it. When people are talking about scholarship money, what they – I don't know why, the prestige. I, I've never understood this either. People don't want to say, well, yeah, I mean, he got academics. Why do, why do people in sports shy away from that? That's funny. I, you I, ever notice that? Yeah, I, Have you noticed it? Yeah, 70% scholarship. And I'm like, okay, well, how that's much? a lot of baseball. Oh well, you know, only 25 percent was baseball. The rest of it, great, right? I don't understand that. Yeah, great. 70 to 70. I, I th- you'll love this one. So my my friend's a hockey coach, and um, met with a family, recruited their kid, said, um, this is what I can do for him. Um, you know, it's, it is what it is. I've got uh, 2,500 dollars I can give him towards. You know, an athletic scholarship, $2,500 would like to offer. Oh, you know, really appreciate it, blah, blah, blah. He goes to meet with them to finalize everything and says, I've got some great news for you. And they said, what's that? And he says, you know, um, after your son visited and we did everything, we did the paperwork, he qualified for a $5,000 grant. She goes, oh, my God, that's phenomenal. So he's going to get $7,500? Well, that's the caveat. He qualifies for it if he doesn't accept an athletic scholarship because of some grant or something like that. She goes, oh, well, that's not going to work. And he goes, what? And she goes, he has to get a scholarship. He goes, he's going to get a $5,000 grant. No, we'd rather take the scholarship. Something wrong there. True story. Yeah. I can, I can, only, I can only imagine, you know, when, when you ask that question, Jim, I would just say, slow down, take it all in. This is, this is, this is an awesome time in, in your life as a coach as a family, as a player, and, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll result in something. Yeah. I, I mean, we live in a world of Facebook. You got to post that he got a scholarship. Yeah. Last thing for you guys, on a couple, couple of opinion things, and I'll get you guys out of here. Early commits, good or bad? Oh, boy. How early are we talking? <laughs> Does it really matter? Like no. Fifth, like fifth grade, Jim? Or, <laughs> no. Well, yeah. let's, let's stay around the age right now where you're starting to see more of it right around that 14, 15. Well, listen, if, if it's the right school, Jim, if, if, you know, again, you know, if you, if you're a numbers kid, you know, you've, you've, you've seen your dad do business You're you know, you, you think you want to get into the world of business and, you know, the university of Miami of Ohio is offering you money and that's kind of your dream school. Cause you know, grandpa went there or what have you, and then they want to talk with you. That's, that's great. That's phenomenal. The problem, the problem I have with it is it's nothing in stone. Yeah, that's so really the problem. That, you know, so if you rest on your laurels and you're a good player at 15U and you're throwing really good and you don't work over the next two years, that scholarship's not going to be there in the end. Yeah, that's that's the myth that's here. Exactly right. And and some of these schools won't name any of them. Will will overbook like a hotel or a plane. Well, and you can. You don't even have to name them. They a lot. Of, I mean, yeah. almost all of them do. Yeah, and there are some ones that I know that don't do that, and I and we appreciate that. You know, to your point, I, I'll have Trey Riley back on the show. Um, everybody probably remembers my, my – you know, we had a great show, Trey Riley, after his senior year here in Edwardsville. Um, we had a show because he was going to live the dream and go to Oklahoma State. Well, if you followed Trey Riley at all, you know how this thing worked out, okay? If I would have done a show a year later with Trey Riley, it would have been a cautionary tale. Hmm. And now I do the show with him a year after that, and he's a fifth-round pick by the Atlanta Braves. Um this thing is not always the trajectory that you think it's going to be. 
And, you know, people ask me, I'm like, well, listen, I don't have to make this decision because my kid was not a, a 14U type commit player. But I would have had a hard time letting my 14-year-old son commit to a school when he didn't know what he wanted to eat for dinner that night. Right. That's always my thing. Now, I also realize that some kids are different. Some kids are mature. Some kids – but, you know, I just had a conversation with my 19-year-old son who's going to be 20 about where he's going to go to school next year because he's transferring. And he is dead set on going to Mississippi State. And I love him, but I know why he wants to go there, okay? And I've told him – he says, I love it there. And I said, I know you think you love it there. But I promise you, if I put you in a car today and we took a tour of the country and I showed you 15 other schools, you would love another one of them better. Yep. Don't get fixated on what you think you love today. There's a reason. I, I, I like what you said earlier, Joe. Why do you want to go to school there? What is it about the school that attracts you to go there? I, and now listen, that answer is different for everybody. Well, I love it there. I love the scenery. I love the look. I lo- okay, that's important. I'm not saying it's not important. Everybody, oh, well, what's about the academics? And what about what you're going to shoot for? Okay, that's important too. But I, but if you go to a school that's exactly what you want to do academically and you hate it there, is that going to work out? Probably not. No. I mean, whoever who does well being somewhere they're unhappy? Very few people in this world, I would venture to and say. Turn around and transfer back home. Nah, I mean, it's cautionary tales across the board. But, you know, like I said, I, you know, people ask me about the early commit all the time. I can give you my personal opinion, which you can throw in the trash, my logical opinion is kind of more what you said. I, I understand where you're going with Joe. It is different for every kid. And the problem is, is that it's hard to blanket statement that it's bad because there's plenty of kids that has worked for. So how do you say it's, it's bad? Again, I, I think it is a personal thing. I, I really do. I, I, I believe this. I think that is something that the parents have got to get involved in. You, listen, you cannot bury your head in the sand and not know your kid. If in your heart you know it's a bad idea, then you better do something about it. You're talking about your son or daughter. Well, you know, and win, win, wins and losses don't determine the credibility and don't determine the character of the sort of program that you're going to send your kid to. And they some, better not, but they know, do. You know, and some <laughs> yeah, and and some advice that I would give there, Jim, to you know, to parents that are struggling with this is really dig into that. You know, what what is the character of the head coach of that program? What is the character of the front office of that, of that athletic office or, or the character of that school? I, I think, you know, I think to me, again, if you, if you do that research, you do that homework, and you, you find yourself in a place to where there is a connection in terms of credibility and character, you know, I, I, I don't know that I would shy away from it. Um, now, you know, there are good salesmen out there and there are good you know, and there are good programs that'll, you know, that'll talk to talk. Um, but that'd be my best advice is, you know, re- really dig deep into beyond the wins and losses, beyond the how many times did, did you know, did that program play in a postseason game. And if you're just going there for a coaching staff, who knows if they're going to be there yeah. four years from now. It's yep. violent. Yep. yep. Interesting. Good stuff. Uh, last thing. Um, we talk a little bit about baseball. It's a game of failure. I think it's the hardest thing to do in the whole world. I think it, it offers a variety of, of challenges and opportunities. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I think we all as, as coaches, uh, trainers, um, directors, uh, you know, owners, partners, I think we all look at the different challenges that go across here. Um, the one thing that I see that I think um, everyone can do a better job is, is of teaching kids 
how to handle the failure. I think it's our expectation. Steve Springer, I don't know if you're familiar with Steve. I think he does a great job of, tr- of, of trying to s- change the culture that has been developed by some of us. The failure. What is failure? I mean, is failure really striking out? Is failure really going 0 for 4? Because that's not, that really technically is not failure, even though on the surface you think it is. Um, saw this tweet. Um, just want to get your guys' thoughts on it because this is impressive. Uh, this gentleman tweeted this out. So, you know, and obviously College World Series is going on. If you're a baseball purist, you're watching this. It's so awesome. And yep. I told – last night I did my show last week on my experience of going down there with my son last week and just, you know, just an amazing thing. Um, this guy tweeted because, you know, game was on late last night. Saw a kid fail on TV yesterday in the College World Series. Gets back to the dugout, sets his helmet down on the bench, places his gloves inside his helmet, takes a deep breath, jumps back up on the top step. There's a reason why those teams are there. I get chills. That's awesome. I saw that same tweet and thought the same thing. Um, I get chills because I attend high school baseball games where a kid strikes out, pops up, doesn't make a play, and throws his helmet, slams his bat, um, goes and sits on the dug- uh, sits on the top of the, 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 the seating area. Um, I see it in 10U games. I see it in 12U games. I see it in college games i see it in pro games see it in seven u baseball games um now we're always going to see it as everybody's different and everybody grows and matures at different levels what bothers me is that we as coaches sometimes allow it to happen it also really bothers me that we and i i listen i lump myself in this we sometimes allow the better players to get away with us for a variety of reasons um, how do we get out of that culture? It's tough. I see it every day, and we we were in Indy this weekend, and one of the coaches after the game told me, he goes, the pouting after the strikeout, the moping, like you said, throwing your helmet, he goes, it's going to end after the day. He goes, I'm making a change. It's going to take all the coaches to say, this ain't going to work. You're going you're gonna to sit on the bench, and my, you're going to tell your mom and dad that this is the reason you're on the bench. You're not playing and it's hard when you're dealing with emotional 9-year-old, 10-year-old, 11-year-old kids, especially in big situations. They feel like they let the team down. Um, maybe they're not the best teammates on the team that are say, hey, it's okay, bud. You're going to go get them next time. Hey, I made the error. It's okay. We'll get them. And uh, there's a lot of uh, maybe selfish play out there, and they're just worried about – maybe they're worried about their stats on Game Changer. You know? <laughs> um, but but it, it is. It's, uh, it's, it's every age group. Every club has it. Um, the body language, it's its tough to watch sometimes. Joe, your thoughts? No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Chris. I'm with you. And, and at, the, at the higher levels, as, as the kids get older, we, we tell them, if a school wants to come look at you, they already know you can play baseball, right? They're not going to take time out of their schedule. They're not going to invest the money. They already know you can play the game. Now they're looking for the intangibles. What do you dress like? What do you hustle like? What do you do after you strike out? What do you do after you make an error? Because you're going to go live with that coach. You're going to go live with that program for four years, and they want someone that's going to be coachable and someone that can move through the failure. Because it, it is a game of failure, Jim. Yeah, I think a lot of parents think if a kid's a good player, that's enough. It is more than that. There's a lot of commitment that goes from both sides. Um, you know, I was telling somebody that, you know, I don't, you know, I don't know – uh, well, number one, let's just be honest. It's never going to be perfect. But 
it's how we go about it, I think. I, I, Chris, you said it out loud. I mean, you need every coach on board with it because if you held the standards there, see, I don't know that we, we hold our standards high enough sometimes. I think because it's hard, we lax our standards. It, would it be hard? Yes, it'd be hard. Would you have parents that would quit over it? Yeah, you would. But again, I think that goes back to what we said earlier on the show. You've got to be willing to say, I'm going to lose some business over doing the right thing because ultimately it will come back to me tenfold because people will want what I have if I do it right. I, I, it's an amazing thing. And listen, I, we're talking about people. We're talking about children. You know, not they're all not – I mean, God, I got three of them. They're not perfect by any stretch of imagination. I don't know that I'd want them to be. It wouldn't be near as exciting. But um, it's a tough thing, man. I, I, I think it bothers me more when I see kids that are really good get away with it. You know, I, I've seen it at all levels. Hmm. I've seen it. I've seen it allowed by coaches that I never would have believed would allow it. It's hard, man, because we're talking about kids. It, it's an interesting. It's a great. It's a great tweet. You know, I. But if you really love baseball, I think back to like my first experiences of watching college baseball when I was younger, and the things that still stick with me today: the running on and off the field, the running back to the dugout after you strike out. The running to first if you get a walk. Now what do we get yeah. if when a kid walks? There's a 30-second yeah. delay while he takes off his gear and flips his bat and <laughs> looks at looks at the pitcher or the dugout because he walked. They, you know, I, we actually practiced that this year because Seth implemented that with our high school guys, how to get hit by a pitch and run to first and how to walk and get run to first. And I'm like, that's as basic as you can do in a practice for 17 you guys – our top team. That's what that's what they were doing. Well, it sends a message of selflessness, right? I mean, hey, you got to first. You're at yeah. first. I mean, yeah. you're you're you know now now your team can do something. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing that you would have to do that. But you know, the thing about it is, if you do that, does it trickle down? You know, is there a? I've always felt like in clubs or in programs, if the best guys are doing it, and then you start doing it with everybody else, is the message, hey. If the best guys are doing it, we're going to do it. You know, I, you always wonder sometimes because people, what what do people want? They want what the best are doing. Absolutely. Well, guess what? This is what we're doing here too. It's good stuff. Oh. That's awesome. I love to hear that. I mean, again, I, you know, it's just it's hard. It's hard because of the atmosphere. How have we gotten to a place where I have two hundred teams in a select baseball league? Because everybody wants to do their own thing. You know. Yeah. Ah, oh, we're not going to. Ah, ah, da, da. you know. Anyway. Guys are great, man. I'm happy for you guys. This is awesome stuff. Um, one more time, um, if people want to learn more about you, where do they go? Uh, MissouriGators.com. We got all the contact information on that website. Yeah. Um, look forward to catching back up with you guys. You know, like I said, come back on next year. Let's see how the Illinois thing kind of went for you guys. Uh, tryouts are right around the corner. So, um, again, Joe, thank you. Um, yeah, absolutely, appreciate Jim. it. Hey, Jim, and thank you. Yeah. Really, I mean, I I, I can't believe we're. You know we're here. Uh, we went a little long. Having, I'm sorry. I hope you guys didn't have any stuff. meetings. No, no, no. And and, and, <laughs> and listen. And if and if and if you want to just give us a second, just to thank all the all the families within the organization now. Um, thank all the coaches that are out there trying to do the right thing for for their players and or you know in some cases their their sons. Um, certainly thank all of our staff. Um, we do have a very dedicated staff that is uh, again. Trying to trying to onboard onto this culture and 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 do the right thing, and most importantly, you know, just thank my partner Chris here, and thank Steve Marion for having you know the vision to want to build this. So thank you, 
Thank you for having us, Jim. No, really. I'm happy to have you guys. Like I said, it's a it's a it's an interesting thing to watch uh, a club basically morph from where you started to where you're at today. Yeah. I mean, it's an amazing thing. It's a journey for sure, and <laughs> probably not always the smoothest. <laughs> it's a learning experience every day. <laughs> well, good luck to you guys for sure. Thank um, you. It's an amazing thing. So again, that's the uh, that's the Missouri Gators folks. And again, you've you know I've had on most of the clubs here in St. Louis at one time or another and spoke to them about. Um, things I, I tell everybody out there that every club is different um you know i i want to believe in my heart that they all have uh whatever their mo is whatever their mission statement is they all have a vision um where your son or daughter falls into that vision is really a decision that you and they have to make together um you know don't fall into traps um, and if you do sometimes quit blaming it on everybody else and ask yourself if you went into this thing with your eyes open did you do your research that's another thing in this day and age if you were listen in this day and age if you were going to say okay man i love that i love that they're coming to illinois gym uh, i'm going to do this if you blindly show up and you didn't get on the old google machine and type in missouri gators and just see what pops up then shame on you don't come to me a year from now and say, well, I didn't know this. Don't do that to yourself, okay? I promise you, they know they're not dumb. They've been doing this for a while. They know that everything they do is a reflection of who they are. That's why they take it so serious. Everybody should do that. If they don't, then good luck. But they know that. So go in there, do your homework, make sure it's right for you. If you go into it knowing this is what I want, the chances of you having a good experience are so much better. And at the end of the day, I hope that's what you want out of this for you, your your son. And I always say this is not just a decision. The number one thing I tell people when they call me and say, how do I know if my son is ready? I say, number one, is your family ready? This is not just a commitment for a nine-year-old kid. This is a family commitment. You're making a commitment to an organization. You're making a commitment to 10 or 11 other families. You're, you're teaching your son or daughter how to make a commitment. What are the expectations? Are they realistic for you? Are they realistic for your family? These are all things that go into this. And these guys that are in this room with me right now, they know that. I promise you they would welcome you checking them out. If you don't do it and you blindly show up and you get what you get, so to speak, look in the mirror. Okay. If there's something they do that wasn't for you, you should have uncovered that early in the process. If they make a mistake, they'll own it. I promise you they will. These guys aren't getting any better at what they do by wishing away their mistakes. We all make them. But at the end of the day, the philosophy of a club, what they're trying to do, what they're trying to accomplish, you know, what the cost is, where they go, these things are already available for you. And if you don't look at those things before you commit, then shame on you. And that's all I can really say on that matter, regardless of the club that you go to. Lots of great clubs out there. Just because one might not be for you doesn't mean that the other won't provide you exactly what you need. They know it. These guys aren't dumb. They all have an opportunity to present to you, hey, this is what we're about. We like you. You like us. Let's kind of form a little union here and see where we go with it. Joe mentioned it earlier. It is a business transaction, but you're also making a, a people transaction here as well. That's where the hard part comes in, right? You know, it's hard to part with money, but it's really, really hard to part with who we are as people. And if you want to commit yourself to something, commit. Don't commit halfway. Commit all the way. Trust the process. See where it leads. I trust these guys. I think they do a good job. Um, and again, 
You're only as strong as the people you have involved in your program. I don't know all their people, but I know these guys, and I know one of their people, and I love him to death, and I think he's tremendous. Jake DePew over here in Illinois, uh, again, I know he does a, a really good job. He's very well respected. So for all my Illinois people, if you're looking for another option, uh, the Illinois Gators are definitely uh, an option for you. And, of course, on the Missouri side of the river as well. So I wish those guys luck. Um, we'll have them back on, and we'll see how they did. All right, now it's time to uh, – uh, go on over to my friend. Uh, if you're in Canada, you're definitely uh, checking out my man Kurt McNabb with Dirtbag Baseball Nation. Of course, Earl uh, Perrin and, and Chris Vernon, John Smoltz got together and chose Kurt McNabb to represent them each and every week here on Youth Baseball Talk with their rope report. As John Smoltz says, everyone should have one from little leaguers to big leaguers. So check out theropetrainer.com today. All right, take it away, Kirk. Let's hear what you have for us. Great episode, Jim. I hope all you listeners had another fantastic week out there on those fields. As Jim said, I'm Kirk McNabb, and this week on The Rope Report, I want to take the time to apologize to any of you dirtbag followers who I unknowingly took for granted in regards to your overall knowledge of pitching. This was not on purpose by any means, but over the last couple of months, two things have become abundantly clear to me now. One, I've had thousands of calls personally, email inquiries, and guest speaking engagements over this time, and what I've found out is that there really is an overwhelming lack of knowledge on proper pitching and throwing development. But the other great thing is, during these conversations, emails, and speaking engagements, it's been proven to me that players, parents, and coaches are truly motivated to becoming or developing the best pitchers possible, and that's what I live to do here at Dirtbag Baseball Nation. The second thing that stood out to me is since pitching and throwing is what I do, I never really thought about how many so-called throwing and pitching gurus and so-called training aids really were out there. For research, I just signed up to a number of self-help companies to see how good or see how they go about their business. What I found out is that my email inbox is inundated daily with promises of increasing velocity instantly so that you will be looked at by more university coaches and get all those so-called scholarship offers, or even better, getting scouted and signed professionally. Wow, really, that's all it takes. Seriously. I'm going to tell you there's been a saying for a long time, a lot of you heard it, but I'll say it again. It goes like this. If it sounds too good to be true, then it is. <laughs> Heck, I even received an email this morning that offered me 26 backyard pitching drills for free. Wow, how, I, how excited was I to open that up and get that in an email? The problem is, I, I did follow up and I opened it up to see what type of drills this guy was offering. There were three drills shown all on the homepage. And then all of them were useless in respect to really teaching me pitching and other problems related. All right. The second part of this that really got my grill was that I had to then click to go to the guy's website and actually sign up and now pay money for what he originally offered me on the email as free. What a scam. So for this, dirtbags, I apologize to any of you as well as myself because that's not how it is, and it's also not how we do business. If you want to actually get better, call or email us, but if you simply want what could be or not, or, or a quick fix and false security or the rush of adrenaline when you read or hear how you can become a college or pro pitcher within a week, then you go for that. Just understand, you'll be let down more times than not. 
Real long-term and sustainable pitching development can never, ever happen like that. And you know it. Deep down inside, you know it. Takes more than that. Quit getting suckered in by these incredibly smart online marketers. I was astounded at how many of them are out there. And I now understand how overwhelming it must be for all of you in regards to knowing who is telling the truth and who isn't. If I didn't do this every day for a living, I'd be just as overwhelmed as you. Let me give you an example. It's like me right now building our new website. I'm technically challenged. When it comes to this type of stuff, it's not what I do. Baseball, throwing, pitching is what I do. Building websites is not what I do. So I know exactly what I want it to look like, but there's no way I can build it myself. That means I have to research the best people or companies, and my God, it's overwhelming. One is better than the next, or one seems to offer a better selection or a price, and all it really does is freezes me from making any decision at all. The reality for me is the same as for any of you who want to become better pitchers, and that is that I need to do my due diligence and ask people who are in my trust network what I need and who out there can build the best website, something that I need and want. As I wrap up this week's episode, if you've been listening long enough to the Rope Report, then you know that our number one goal here on Youth Baseball Talk and at Dirtbag Baseball Nation is to offer honest, above-board information and in-person or online training programs. Is there credible people, companies, and training aids out there? Yes. And is there a lot more people who are incredible marketers and salesmen looking to make quick cash with no real return on investment? Absolutely. And it's disappointing. But it's real. Call me at 226-821-2402. That's 226-821-2402. Or email me at info at dirtbagbaseballnation.com. Info at DirtbagBaseballNation.com anytime to discuss anything related to throwing and pitching. Getting dirty and helping good pitchers become great pitchers is what I do. Until next week, Dirtbags, take control of your future by getting up, getting after it, and getting dirty. Great stuff as always. And again, um, you could hear the passion in his voice. Kirk's a baseball guy through and through, old school. You guys have listened to the show long enough to know that I got a lot of old school in me. Um, I love him, love his passion. I know you do as well. Keep the questions and comments coming for me. I'm happy to, to assist you with it. But at the end of the day, um, if you want to learn more about The Rope Trainer, it's theropetrainer.com. Um, just Again, I just mentioned Google earlier. Just Google John Smoltz Rope Trainer. You'll see some unbelievable videos, unbelievable comments from john himself on why he thinks it's so important more importantly the guy you should be listening to not that you shouldn't listen to a hall of famer but um i'd be listening to chris verna this guy's one of the best in the world at what he does um, the scientific data is there now to represent the rope trainer check it out uh, one last guy i want to welcome on this week is our friend uh, dirk dombrowski from precision impact also out of canada precisionimpact.ca uh, tremendous streamlined company where you guys can pick up some of those wonderful training aids that they provide uh, check them out in their Facebook communities. They're trying to, to open up the dialogue. They're, they're interested in what you have to say. The quantity discounts are available there as well. That's precisionimpact.ca. You know, they've, the, those big those sand balls that you can hit, whether it be off the, 
you know, off to the side if there's no cage or you're using them in practice to work on driving through the baseball. Tremendous training aid. And, again, everybody's loving Dirk as we've added him to the show. Uh, that's precisionimpact.ca. One last time, don't forget the coupon code Youth Baseball Talk. Receive an extra 10% off from our friends at precisionimpact.ca. Take it away, Dirk. Hey everyone, welcome to Precision Impact. My name is Dirk, and on today's rundown segment, we're going to talk a little bit about a previous segment, which was setting goals. And now that we're approaching the midway point or a little bit deeper into our season, we're going to talk a little bit about today about checking up on some of those goals, or are we on the right track to achieving some of those goals? It's important that we constantly test and measure that which we're trying to achieve to make sure we're, make sure we're on the right track and we're doing the right things to make sure that we're achieving the goals by the time the season ends. It's really tough when we look back at the end of the season and notice that we didn't really accomplish a lot of our goals because they weren't in the back of our mind constantly during every game, during every practice. When players, including coaches, show up to a practice with the intent or with a very specific purpose there's a better chance that you're going to actually achieve that specific goal. So at the beginning of a lot of my practices, I always make sure that I stand in front of my players and announce to all of them and remind them, what is it that you're specifically or particularly trying to get better at today? Is it something to do with hitting? Is it something to do with fielding, fly balls, throwing, a game of catch, pitching, catching, blocking, anything? It doesn't really matter. It doesn't even have to be universally uh, consistent amongst the whole team because each player is going to have certain weaknesses that they need to get better at. So it's important that they know going into every practice, that they know going into every single game, what it is they're trying to get a little bit better at, and it's likely that they're going to reflect the goals that they set at the beginning of the year. Are they on track to hit a certain batting average? Are they on track to to have so many wins under their belt as a pitcher? Are they on track to have a minimal amount of bases stolen on them from a catcher standpoint? It, you know, we all should take a little bit of pride in what we're doing, and our goals should reflect our pride a little bit to make sure that we're, you know, doing our job to the best of the ability and making sure that we're working really hard for the guy in the right and the guy on the left, and our goals should reflect that. So if you're a first baseman, for instance, you should be thinking about going into a game and not wanting to let a ball, single ball get by you. If you're a pitcher, you know, maybe, Maybe that day you're going to try and work on not walking a single player. Who cares how many hits you have off you, but your goal is not to walk a single player. Right? A lot of the time the walks are what really damage us and work our pitch counts up as pitchers. So maybe that's a goal going into a game or a practice or live BP or something like that. Maybe as a hitter, your one goal is just not to strike out that day. It's, it's to put the ball in play every single time and give yourself the best opportunity to get on base and the best opportunity to put yourself in scoring position for your pitcher, right? And your goals at the beginning of the year should reflect a lot of the actions that you take during each game, each practice, each training event. So as we're approaching that halfway point in our season, I think it's really important that players and definitely coaches start reflecting on where they are at in terms of accomplishing some of their goals. Maybe they've already accomplished a couple. Maybe as a pitcher, you already have three to four wins under your belt, which was better than last year. Maybe you're only halfway to your goal of trying to accomplish eight wins. In which case, when you think of how many games you have left in the season and how many starts you're likely going to have, what's going to take for you to reach that goal? Are you going to have to work harder in practice to make sure that your next four starts are wins? Maybe it's, as a pitcher, working a little bit more with the hitters. Maybe it's maybe it's being a little bit more of a tool to them and being able to be there and provide more front toss. Maybe it's, you know, whatever it takes for you to be able to make sure that it's not just you who's getting better, but 
because your other eight players in the team are going to be crucial in your wins as a pitcher, maybe it's going out of your way to hit fly balls or ground balls or to work on pitching and hitting a little bit more, right? You know, we have to think about ourselves, yes, but it's also really crucial to think about the guy on the right and the guy on the left and making sure collectively as a team, we're doing what it takes to win these games and to be successful. You know, success is probably more of a keyword to use because you can still lose a game and still be very successful. You know, you can, you know, lose a game and still not have a single walk, which would have been your goal. You can, we can still lose a game and still have nobody strike out. We just hitting the ball hard where they, where players are already standing. You know, um, it's important that we are reflecting and testing and measuring how it is we're doing so that at this point in the season, we can make adjustments as we need to and make sure that we're not getting worse or that the fact that every game, every day, every opportunity we have, we're getting better in some way, shape or form. And that, that comes when our mindset is of getting better. Um, so again, if, if you've set some pretty extravagant goals, if you, you know, maybe not sure where you're at in the season, you know, reflect a little bit, sit down and talk with a coach. If you're not sure exactly how to do it, you know, I'm not, not a huge believer in being a stat rat, but I'm, you know, it's important that you look at some of the empirical data and make sure that, you know, you're on the right track. How many walks do you have you know, last game, how many, you know, those little things like that, what kinds of stats can you look at that'll show you some of your weak spots, right? We have to remember that um, we are all going to have some weak links in our chain a little bit, but it's important that we recognize what they are and then begin to take steps to overcome them. We begin to take steps and seek out the right resources and the right coaches and the right people to overcome some of those weak links in our chain. And by doing so, we're going to get better you know, inevitably. And again, if we have a goal and a purpose and a, a bit of a bit of a plan going into every practice and every game, every time in the gym, you name it, you will get better. It's those players that hope for the best or, you know, you know, they're, you know, hope that they get to play at a college level or hope that they get a couple of wins. You know, they say that hope is the last resort of people who, you know, don't put in the right amount of work. And so don't leave, don't use hope as a last resort. Use hard work, you know, use a plan, all those things. And I guarantee you that when you plan things properly and you execute them, good things will happen. You'll start seeing yourself having the best year you've ever had. You're going to start seeing your stats go in the right direction. You're going to start getting those phone calls. Your doors are going to start to open that you never even thought humanly possible. And it was all because you started reflecting, setting goals, and trying to execute things as best as you could. So I really urge anybody who's set some goals at the beginning of the season, like I've talked about before, start reflecting on them and to start telling yourself and start noticing, are you on the right track? What is it that you could be doing at a practice or a game to get you closer to those goals or maybe back on track? As always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns about this video, leave a comment down below. Thanks. Great stuff as always. And again, I know you guys um, are enjoying Dirk. He's another passionate guy. Um, you know, I'm glad we don't have very many monotone guys on here trying to teach guys the game of baseball. I don't know that that... Uh, I don't know that that uh, personality uh, goes over too well sometimes with, with baseball training. But, again, love him. Love PrecisionImpact.ca. And uh, thank you very much to them for their commitment. It was a pleasure to meet those guys at ABCA this year. And I want to thank them for their support of the show. Um, one last time, I want to thank Chris Craddock and Joe Lopez. Guys, thank you for coming in today. Um, I hope you guys uh, – well, I wish you guys success. I, I don't think it's going to take a good luck. I think you guys have planned this out. 
Uh, you've got a plan in place, and uh, you got some, a, a good guy over here leading the charge for sure on top of the backing that he has from an already successful organization. Thanks again, Jim. Thanks, yeah. Jim. No, Thank happy you. to have you guys. Um, look, to learn more about uh, Youth Baseball Talk, youthbaseballtalk.com. That's our website. Multiple things you guys are doing there. A lot of people are listening to the show through there, which is fine. Subscribing to the podcast is free. Um, you just simply click subscribe to the podcast. It'll walk you through it on your mobile device. It takes about 30 seconds. Um, the two things you can do on there, uh, really through the website that are the most functional, A, if you really want to help the show, if you would do your shopping through Amazon there, that would help us immensely. You simply click the Amazon banner, you're done with us. Uh, do your shopping. It doesn't cost you anything. We get a very small referral that, uh, that helps me keep the big guy, Brian Kroc, and Andrew Allen, my two producers, in the lap of luxury that they're used to living. Uh, so we appreciate that. Uh, the number one thing that guys are using the website for, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate this, I've got a little Netflix thing going on here. Um, you know, I started doing the show years ago. I've still, every week, I still have 50, 60, 70 downloads from the very first show I ever did years ago. Um, thanks to everybody for finding us that's new to the game of baseball. A lot of the shows are relevant. Um, still to this day, there's great guests. There's um, topics that may apply to you. Um, please listen to those. Listen to them all. Do whatever you want to do. But thank you for finding our show. Thank you for sharing it. Social media is a great way to stay in contact with everything we're doing. We are at Podcast Baseball on Twitter. If you like us on, if you follow us on Twitter and we can tell that you're involved in this game of baseball, we're going to follow you back. We're not interested in having 10 people, 10,000 people follow us and we're only following 10 people. We're going to follow you if you're involved in this game because I want to know what you're thinking. I want to know what's important to you. Again, that's at Podcast Baseball. Youth Baseball Talk in the search bar on Facebook. You'll find us. That's Youth Baseball Talk. Like our Facebook page. Follow us on Facebook. Um, we're happy to have you guys be a part of our conversations on there as well. Youth Baseball Talk on Instagram, of course. Now you can find us at lineupmedia.fm as well. Home to Yo Radio, the newest and greatest radio station, uh, internet radio station. Uh, Yo Radio, it's absolutely free. Go to the App Store, download it. Uh, you have all kinds of great stations on there, genre music. Um, you can go by your decades, the type of music you like. Lots of, uh, you know, they're, they're every day they're meeting with new uh, influencers, celebrities, people involved in the sports world, all types of people that are going to have their own radio stations on there, and you'll be able to hear what's important to them as well. So that's Yo Radio. Check it out. Download it. Leave them a review. They'd really appreciate it. Um, and thank you very much to them for their continued support of Youth Baseball Talk. Um, for all my staff here at Youth Baseball Talk, I'm your host, Jim Cromer. I'll see you on the field. Tune in next week for another edition of Youth Baseball Talk. Subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to the show. Find us online at youthbaseballtalk.com, facebook.com slash youthbaseballtalk, or on Twitter at podcastbaseball. Plus, check out all of our podcasts at lineupmedia.fm. This podcast was a presentation of lightupmedia.fm.